Good morning, New Life Manitou. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Brett. Brett Davis, that's my name. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. Um, Happy Advent to all of you. It's the third week of Advent. And I'm happy that all of you are here. Um, The word Advent, I didn't grow up hearing that word at all. It sounded like a... I don't know, something the church down the road did, and they weren't, they weren't real Christians. We, we were. No, uh, that's the, unfortunately, it felt like, that's what I caught, at least, growing up. Um, we didn't say Advent growing up. The word Advent, actually, Adventus, uh, in Latin, it just means arrival, is all it means, arriving. I, uh, during the season, I mean, it's particularly appropriate. We are waiting for the arrival of God is what we're uh, looking for. But then a lot of times it feels like my girls especially know that like this is the season where it's like they don't quite understand the clock yet. Like either one of them, they're about to be, they're five and four right now. Um, and they know that people during the season are coming over to the house. And so they're like, when are they coming? When are they coming? And I'm trying to explain the long hand and when it gets to such and such. Yeah, but when are they coming? and they'll be watching out the window and greasing up the window. You guys, anyone who's a parent knows it's a real struggle. Um, and then you got, then people, like you have this expectation of like, when are they gonna arrive? When are they gonna arrive? I'm not somebody who can just like, when somebody's imminently arriving, I'm very much watching for them. Um, and then you've got, you know, guests in your house this season, family. And then it feels like a lot of times during the season, depending on your situation, it can also be, like um, you're waiting on people to arrive, but then you could also be like waiting on them to leave too. You're like, okay, when are you going to go? Welcome to Advent. That's the season that we're in right now. And Advent is the season, we said a couple of weeks ago, um, we were talking, we were finishing up the book of Ruth and starting um, Advent. We said Advent is, um, we could say it this way, Advent is the season where we're aching for God to arrive. That's really what we've got here. It's not, this season is not merely the ramp up to Christmas, although it it does get us there. Christmas does arrive. Can I get a hallelujah? You know, it's it's good that it does, but the church calendar in its wisdom has a, a period of time every year before the great celebration of learning to wait learning to be like, ah, things aren't the way I want them to be yet. I'm aching for God to show up and do something. Last week, Dr. Joe uh, would talk to us about hope. That's, of course, one of the traditional um, virtues that we talk about here during this season. Um, and this, this week, that actually makes, by some reckonings on the how you go through these candles. We don't have the candles. Anyone grow up with the candles? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we don't have them. Maybe we could look into that. But by some estimations of the candles, that leaves um, me, anxiety-riddled me, (laughs) to talk about peace uh, this week in Advent. And so there are a lot of Advent passages that we're familiar with that that talk about peace. I guarantee you know some of them. Like this one. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Or there's this really famous uh, like story of Bethlehem shepherds that Linus tells really well. And did you know he dropped the blanket just at that time? You guys remember that? It went viral. And it was a really big deal. It was like changing people's lives. Anyway, he tells this story in Luke chapter two, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you gospel. I bring you good news. Um, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior is born to you. He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed. He's the king. Um, He's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great singing army around them. The heavenly host is what that means. Appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth turmoil. No, no, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I... Um, this is the season where we start talking about peace and like I, uh, I started struggling with anxiety uh, in earnest. It, apparently like there's genes for this. I don't want, I'm not somebody to chalk everything up to genes, but it runs and like I can watch it in one particular side of my family and I, it hit me profoundly when I was in my um, late 20s. Um, and so when I hear these passages about peace, I say, oh Lord, baby Jesus, can I please get some of that? I will take whatever peace you've come to bring. I, I would like a, I'd like a double helping of that. Um, we've got all kinds of ideas about peace, um, I think. We, you know, from the stereotypical, I don't think they do beauty pageants anymore, but at some point it was a trope to the, you know, world peace was the thing that would be said, you know, and then, or like some of us just drift along and like peace, when we think about peace, we're like just some sort of inner tranquility or stillness, um, mindfulness, meditation, centering, like these sorts of things are pervasive in our culture at this point, at this moment. A worry-free life, Hakuna Matata. And Disney was ahead of it in 1994, weren't they? <laughs> Just peace. Um, and we, I think what we do is we have all kinds of ideas about peace. That they're our ideas about peace. And what we do is we end up projecting them onto onto the Christmas narrative, on, onto Jesus. Um, like earlier, we, we sang um, uh, um, uh, the, the, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, the uh, In Excelsis Deo. What's the name of that? Glor- glor- Angels we've heard on high. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I, in, true story, I actually did not, I've been up for 26 hours right now. And so, like, I didn't sleep a wink last night, so please forgive me. Um, like, in that song, that, it feels like it's stereotypical. I was excited about something. It was actually really good. Um, sweetly, talk to me afterwards if you want to know. I'm an open book, but it'll be distracting now. <laughs> Am I still talking about it? In that song, it's sweetly singing o'er the plain. And that just about, that's just about right for Christmas and Advent, is it? Sweetly. Isn't that sweet? Uh, since the girls, my girls were babies, I don't know if it's because Christmas carols have like a key that I can like do most of them in, but I've sung them Christmas carols um, when they're going to sleep. And one that I frequently sing to them um, is Away in a Manger. And you guys are familiar with Away in a Manger. It's, you know, what does it say? The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, and 
cries his head off. No, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. It's just so sweet, isn't it? All the Christmas season, like the peace that we're wanting, this is why it's all serenity, it's all tranquility, sweetness, no jitters, no anxiety, no uncertainty, nothing like that. Um, last year, I actually mentioned in a sermon, I said that I had spent time on the internet, and it's a true story. I spent time looking for nativity sets with a crying Lord Jesus, like baby, because that seems important to me for some reason. <laughs> like, because the nativity scenes that we've got, like, it feels like they are parents who feel no fear with a baby that doesn't cry and the poop that doesn't stink, you know? It's just like, like, it, None of this feels real, does it? It feels about as real as all, as a Hallmark movie. <laughs> if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, just, um, can we just name this right now? This is bad theology. It's profoundly unhelpful for us following Jesus. Um, it, we confess as Christians that, uh, especially at Christmas, that God the Son became fully human. He became fully human, like crying baby Jesus, spitting up on himself, aching for his mother's breast. Joseph over here with like bedhead and scrambled features looking around saying, who let the shepherds in? Good grief. Like I can't find, this is the nativity, like our nativity sets present a picture of peace that I think is actually pervasive right now during uh, this time of year. Um, you can even notice it in like our quick transition to, um, to Christmas right after Thanksgiving. And I like Christmas. I'm not saying anything bad about it. But right after Thanksgiving, it's like we jump into plastic smiles, singing all the time, everything's ho, 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 and hum, 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 and tinsel. And, and like, it, I think it, what it does is it shows the kind of peace we want. That transition does. We want something quick. We want something obvious. We want something painless, and now. <laughs> I mentioned, I don't want to wait on it. I want peace in my life right now. I speak as somebody who struggles with anxiety. I, I want peace in my life right now. We want peace, but no pain on the way to getting there. We want Christmas with no advent, is really what we want. And the, the whole time... Um, I'm asking Jesus to bring me, hey, Jesus, could you bring me some plastic piece? Could you bring me some knickknack piece? You know, like the cheap, unshakable, inhuman tranquility that I see in the nativity set. Could you bring me that? Um, a lot of times, this is the pressure that we quietly feel during this time of year. We feel a pressure to, um, we have to pretend at Christmas that everything's okay when inside we just feel like everything's not okay in me or in these relationships or in my circumstances, but I don't want to be the only one struggling, especially while everybody's walking around with their plastic smiles on, ho-ho-hoing and tinseling, and I don't know if tinsel is a, it's a verb now, uh, 
Everyone's tinseling. And what? Like, we feel like we're the only ones struggling. But I think we should listen to what little Lord Jesus actually says about peace when he's all grown up. He says this, and it's actually, our text today is in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 34. Thought it would be a good passage for Advent and Christmas. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a makaira, a sword. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> for I, I've come to bring a sword. For, put that in your tinsel. Um, for, don't know what that meant. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, for, for I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. <laughs> That's like the holy otherness of Jesus that we experience right there in those words. Like when the Prince of Peace grows up, he explicitly names to all of us, you have the wrong ideas about peace. You're making assumptions about peace that is not what I came to give. I'm not bringing what you are expecting. Now, let's be clear. I need to be clear right here. Whatever else Jesus is doing right here, Jesus is not advocating literal violence. Um, he, like, just a couple of pages before this in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he uh, has explicitly forbidden violence. Uh, that's in the end of chapter five in Matthew, if you're curious. Um, that Later, Jesus is going to say that those who live by the sword will end up Dying by the sword. Jesus is the one bringing physical healing to his enemies while Peter is like trying to fight those enemies with a real sword. He's like, nah, I'll put that ear back on, you know? So Jesus, when Jesus says, I'm bringing a sword, we know one thing with certainty, he's not calling people to literal arms. That's not what he's doing. Um, what he's doing is uh, he's challenging our notions, our assumptions about peace is what he's doing. He actually ends up quoting the prophet Micah in verses 35 and 36 is who he's quoting right there. And he says, my life, this is Jesus talking, my life is going to end up dividing families, is what he says. Not because Jesus wants families divided, that's not it. But his life is like a rock in a river is what it is. Some people are gonna go one way and other people are going to go another way. Some people are going to call Jesus a legend or a liar or a lunatic. I don't know what he was, but some people are going to hail him as Lord. And Jesus is saying, if you think that I'm just here to like keep the status quo 
and to make everybody feel good and comfortable, put a nice plastic smile on you and give you some knick-knack peace. No, my, my life is going to be a Makaira. It's going to be a sword. It's going to be a blade. It's kind of like a, another thing that we don't let our girls near, a, a utility knife. It's going to be something sharp. It's going to... Um, we would say it this way. Advent always involves an attack on false peace is what Jesus is saying right here in this passage. Grown up, little Lord Jesus. Jesus loves me enough. He loves us enough to wipe our faces like clean of the smiles that are just painted on them. He said, no, I don't want a plastic smile on you. I want to get deep peace in you. I want to get real peace in you. I want to get lasting peace in you. And to get real peace, he's got to assault. He's got to attack. He's got to pull a sword on false peace is what he's got to do. Every one of us has experienced this, I do believe, especially those of us who are married in the room um, or really anyone. Uh, if you've had any kind of relationship with anybody, anytime you've, you've experienced this, you've had an argument with somebody. And there's tension between you and whoever this other person is. And maybe you're like, uh, I don't know, working next to each other in the office or you're in a car, you know, you're riding in the car down the road. And if somebody pulls up next to you at a stoplight, they might look at you, look in the win window of your car and see you guys not talking, but everything just seems peaceful. There's no yelling or no argument there. Um, but everybody who has like had a disagreement and you know the cold, chilly tension of like sitting in like next to somebody, but we're not really talking about that thing yet. We know that more needs to be said, that we need to hash it out, that we need to cry a little, we need to hug. We, we all know that the absence of arguing doesn't mean that everything is wonderful, right? Like, Peace is more than just the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of life. That's what real peace, that's actually a decent way of wrapping your head around the ancient Hebrew, um, like a concept of shalom. Shalom is not just, we're not arguing. Shalom is everything is right. Everything is the way it should be. It means something way beyond just like the absence of something. We're not, we're not at fisticuffs with each other. You know, it, it, it be, you know, whether it's external conflict with somebody or literal anxiety. Don't misunderstand. Jesus does want to get rid of some things. He does want to like calm our deep anxiety. He does want to, but peace is not as simple as just taking something away. That's like, Jesus disappoints me a lot because he's like, you want me to take anxiety away, Brett, but it's not that easy to take something away. Peace actually involves getting something new in you. Some like new habits or new thoughts or new way of life into us. Peace involves getting new policies even. Like if we're talking on a bigger level, maybe we need to implement new priorities in our local like government or national government or policies or values or something like that into our societies. 
it's not just the absence of something, it's the presence of something. And that, my friends, is long, patient work. That's <laughs> what that is. So um, I want to make three lightning reflections on what true peace involves, and then uh, Dr. Joe will lead us to the table. Uh, first lightning reflection is this. True peace involves submitting to the Machaira. It involves submitting to a scalpel from Jesus. Um, the fun fact, I've never had surgery. Well, another fun fact is I'm a twin. I don't know if that, that actually might be fun for some of you, but, uh, or maybe not. You know? but I, another fun fact is I've never had surgery. Um, like the idea of someone cutting me open, like, the idea of doing that to anybody, I know it's important, but like, it bothers me really. Like, there's this guy at one of our other congregations, he used to draw uh, he used to go in the doctor's office and he was a medical artist and he was drawing for, for uh, medical journals and stuff and so he was drawing sinews <laughs> and, and what did Bilbo call it? Tubes, <laughs> you know? It's just like awful, like the, the guts of people. He's like drawing and I could not do, like, I say all that to say, I am squeamish about it, but if somebody knows what they're doing with the blade, Everything's okay. It makes all the difference who holds the Machaira. It makes all the difference who holds the sword, who holds the blade. Put the blade in the hands of a madman and the blade ends up becoming a weapon. Put the blade in the hands of someone with skill someone who cares. Put it in the hands of a surgeon and the blade is a scalpel. I'm just here to tell you this morning, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is like, he's trustworthy. Um, we sang earlier, um, I, I do remember this, we sang, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down, is what we sang. And I'm just here to tell you, one of the ways that Jesus never lets us down is he cuts us. Because we need it. We need it. He cuts us to make us whole. He says to us, like, this may hurt a little, but it's going to heal a whole lot. Some of us, some of us um, in the room have been wrestling for a long time, and peace about something continues to like, elude us, and we immediately know why. We immediately know why. That thing has to go. That relationship has to go because it, it's totally unhealthy. That habit, that pattern, that thing, that, that has got to stop because the thing is killing you. It's a cancer in your life and you know it. And if that's you this morning, you're invited to breathe out a prayer now or at some point, or maybe later today. Like, but just inviting Jesus to, to cut you, to cut it out, and to heal you. Because I have, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is not wanting to take from you. He's not. Jesus is wanting to give to you. It, a lot of times we focus on the absence of something, but the absence of whatever it is isn't the point. 
Jesus uses the sword to cut away death so that he can fill us, so he can give us life. We often focus on like the, the, the incision, the pain, the, the, the thing that Jesus is like scoping out and eyeing. <laughs> and we know that he's eyeing it. And we focus on like what's gotta go instead of what's gonna come. Something's gonna come, not just something's gonna go. Jesus wants to add to your life is what I need you to know about Jesus this morning. He is wanting to enrich your life. He's wanting to make you whole in the mystery of how he interacts with us. He's wanting to make you more fully alive. He's not wanting to leave you empty. He's not going to leave you empty. But to make us alive... Jesus has to amputate. He has to amputate our counterfeit piece. Second lightning reflection. True peace involves entering into the joy of serving others is what we just heard little Lord Jesus say to us. He says, uh, that's near the heart of what Jesus is talking about when he says, um, verse 38 in Matthew 10, he says, uh, take up your cross and verse 39, he says, lose your life. He's not saying go jump off a bridge. Don't go jump off a bridge. Jesus doesn't want you to. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> no. <laughs> The whole point, it like crosses were the electric chair of the day, they, like worse than the electric chair of the day. But Jesus's cross was something different. Jesus's cross by definition was an act of serving, an act of doing something for the sake of others. God himself was willing to enter into a mess that wasn't his to bear pain that isn't his to bear, to die a death that wasn't his to die for the sake of someone else's good. For our good, it's what he's, that's the gospel, by the way, if you need to hear it, God is already on your side. God is, God is for you. Like, like, not when you pray a prayer, not when you believe hard enough, not when you're good enough. God is already on your side. We, we sang, you're good, you're good, whoa, you're good, and it's, you're good, you're good, period. Like, there's no but there. He is good and he's on your side. Already, he has entered into our turbulence to give us his peace. And his peace involves giving his life to us. His life of, come with me, serve others. I want you to enter into the joy of serving others. And it really is joy. Like, I have to tell myself that because every single one of us, we're like serving others. Yeah, yeah, that's something you say in church. But like deep down, we're really skeptical about it still. And the skepticism that we have about serving others is a symptom of our sickness. Like that's, we don't, we don't realize that it really is. Serving is the habit of prying my attention off of me. I'm like so focused on me and I pry it off of me. I see you. And it's the most liberating thing to stop seeing me and to see 
you to, to join Jesus in what Jesus is doing. And what's Jesus doing? We saying, we give you all the glory because you're the only one who's worthy. But you know why he's worthy? Because he's the least, because he's the lowest, because he's the last and the last will be first. He's the ultimate last. He made himself that. The king put a towel around his waist and he hasn't taken it off he can't. He's, he loves and he serves. That's the nature of who he is. And I'm invited to join Jesus in that. I'm discovering this as a parent. Uh, you do as a parent. Um, any household with real children looks nothing like a nativity set. <laughs> At, at all. It's like, there are meals to make. Yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> that, that's where. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> There are meals to make, there's messes to clean, there are like things to wipe, there are, uh, in general, there are lots of things to, ha- to handle, and Joy and I, my wife's uh, there in the back, we a lot of times like frequently just wiped out at the end of the day, um, and I frequently like have anxiety too. Like, I'm not just about me anymore. It's like about them. <laughs> like, are they okay? Are they sick? Or what about their future or whatever? And of course, I try to channel that into prayer, you know, be a good Christian. But like the anxiety is still there. Uh, can we just be real? Um, and so, but I'm telling you, as I'm serving them, I'm also discovering that like, I frequently have these moments of finding myself at peace. At peace. It's the strangest thing because I'm giving up so much for these little humans I'm giving up money, the time, like sanity sometimes. Like uh, I'm sacrificing a whole lot for their goods, but a lot of times I'm, I'm stumbling my way into serenity as I'm serving. I'm like, oh man. And that's because when we are serving others, when we pry our eyes off of ourselves and stumble into serving, we are actually stumbling into the life of God is what we're doing. I am most anxious when I am most self-consumed. And I am most at peace when I am concerned with the good of someone else. Jesus doesn't tell us to take up a cross to serve others because he's a killjoy. I just want to rain on this parade. Debbie Downer, I was doing it 4,000 years ago. I've been doing it for a long time. No, Jesus tells us to serve others because that's where we start to taste it, where we start to taste joy and happiness and even peace. Third right, lightning reflection. Uh, true peace involves trusting that crosses end in resurrection. That's the gospel too, by the way, if you needed to know. I sometimes, I frequently have, almost always I have trouble believing this. I believe, help my unbelief is my frequent daily prayer. Um, But the moments and the stretches when I do, I taste peace, brothers and sisters. The seasons, but the seasons where I've been in the thick of it, and some of you are, 
Some of you have just like, this year has just been killer. And the seasons where I have been sitting next to, uh, one, there was a stretch where Joy was in a hospital bed and I was sitting next to her. We weren't sure what the future was gonna hold. There were, there were months after month after month, 15 months <laughs> stretch where we were taking our littlest to uh, doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist. And we were like, we don't have answers. What's going on? No one can tell us what's going on. Is it like, there have been seasons where like the paychecks just aren't enough to get by. This isn't just hypothetical. This is for me. Like paychecks haven't been enough to get by. Like I've had profound questions about like, what is going on, God? And during those seasons, like when when all of life feels like crucifixion, I need people outside of me to tell me this, to tell me this, that the darkness does not win. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if that's you and this is where you are this morning, the darkness does not win. Things are going to be good. They're, go- they're going to be beautiful. Some of you need to hear that this morning. And I heard it. Um, because you're struggling to find peace. And things have been so hard recently. And you couldn't imagine a stretch as hard as what you've been through right now. The, this whole season feels like a freaking Roman crucifixion. Hear me this morning. The darkness does not win. It doesn't win. The darkness does not win. Every, every season, every crucifixion, it ends in resurrection. Even COVID ends in resurrection. If you've lost somebody from COVID, I'm so sorry. And I'm here to tell you, even COVID deaths end in resurrection. Every death ends in resurrection. Your story ends in resurrection. Christmas does arrive, even though we Advent right now, even though we're longing for it. And I don't have any credibility I'm just a guy. I don't have any credibility to tell you any of this. And that's why we're about to come to the table. Because we come and Dr. Joe will be leading us, giving us the words of someone who literally died on a cross. He actually historically died on a cross and you are invited to believe the words that he's speaking to you this morning because he's here. You're invited to open yourself up to the Prince of Peace. Jesus loves us enough to attack our false peace that we settle for. You're invited to trust this morning that the scalpel in Jesus's hands will be used to heal you, not to harm you. That Jesus is making you fully alive. That you are seen by the spirit, by Jesus, you are known, you have not been abandoned and you can give yourself over to loving others around you and taste the peace that comes with that even if it feels like it's painful, even if it feels like crucifixion, every crucifixion ends in resurrection. May that give you peace this morning. 
invite you to stand. And so Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you that you are here in this place, that you are the one who gives us what is best for us, not what we want all the time, but you are making us alive and you will never let us go and you will never, no, you'll never let us down. Thank you. Help us trust you more even this morning. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.